Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. We're doing a series called Circles. Last week, Greg talked about boundaries. Does everybody remember that? Who was here last week? Do you remember that talk? Greg was talking about how it's important to have boundaries in our lives, but Ultimately, at the end of his sermon, he was saying, you know, we are all going to be accountable for ourselves, everything within our boundary, amen? Uh, We're not accountable for the people outside of our boundary. They're accountable for themselves. So we are the ones who should only be influenced by God because he's the one that we're going to stand before and give an account to. And uh, he talked about the word each one of us as he finished last week. I am going to talk about a different kind of circle today. Do you ever feel like your life is going round in circles? Anyone ever felt that before? Have you ever heard the phrase, I feel like a hamster on a wheel? Put your hand up if you feel like that or have felt like that at times. I know I'm talking to everybody today, so I'm only imagining those who didn't put their hands up can't hear me or aren't listening right now. The longer that you are alive, the more you understand what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the circles of life, all right? I'm not talking about the Lion King song. I know you're just going to hear that now throughout the rest of my sermon. You're going to be singing the words and the tune's going to be going around in your head. It's not that. It's better than that, all right? The circles of life. And kind of, if you wanted to summarize my sermon in a sentence. It's about trying to find meaning in the rhythms of life. Amen. So, if you've ever been on social media, the thing about social media, I don't know, as I was preparing my sermon this week, I suddenly kind of realized it again. Probably the thing that attracts us to social media is because it's not, it's not humdrum everyday life stuff that goes on there most of the time, is it? It's a highlight reel. You know what I mean? And in our spare moments when we want to escape what's going on or just take a moment to not think about our treadmill, we go on Facebook and we look at the happy photos of whatever's going on in people's lives and it's like escapism. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. Facebook essentially is all the great stuff that's happening in your life that you want to let family and friends know about. Initially, that's how it was meant to be anyway. But how many of you know that there's a lot, I mean like 99.9% of life happens in between those highlights? Amen? And we can make a humongous mistake by thinking, man, these guys look like they have a great life. My life is so mundane. I mean... If you're a mom, or if you're a a single parent, you can be a dad. You can be a dad in this scenario as well, uh, in in marriage. But I guess in our family, Heidi does most of the house stuff. So I'm imagining that as a mom, or as a woman, you really get what I'm talking about. When you've got a big family, and uh, you've put five loads of washing on, and you finally take that empty basket upstairs and someone comes and puts something else inside of it. And before it's even hardly empty, it's filling up again. Or the kind of things like 
what, are, what am I going to prepare for dinner tonight? I am so tired of thinking about dinner. Me, so like in our, in our marriage, in our family setup, most of the time Heidi does the cooking and I try to do the washing up. Get into the kitchen after dinner and you're like, again. Oh, I hate washing up. Life is full of that stuff, amen? Going to work and there's those routines at work that aren't the reason that you took that job. But you know, every single job has full of mundane stuff that someone has to do. And you can find yourself in a position in life where you just think, flip, there must be more to life than this. Amen? I'm going to say it again. Amen? Amen. Have you ever remotely felt like, does my life actually matter? Is it going to count for anything or am I just going to die one day and hey-ho? The world just keeps spinning, you know? These are deep questions, guys. But I want to talk about this today because there's no denying that life is circular in many respects. I've been reading, I read the book of Ecclesiastes this week. If you're looking for excitement and thrills, maybe not the book to read, but... um. If you understand the context of how Solomon is writing it, it's much better. But if you just read it at face value and you don't understand the context, you're thinking to myself, why would anybody want to live past their first day? You know what I mean? So let's read anyway. It'd be good for us to have a look. I'm reading from a different version. I, I was reading from the the New Living Translation this week, and it, I just, I really enjoyed how it said these verses. So I'm in Ecclesiastes chapter one, if you wanna read with me. Um, we can't even put it up there because our app doesn't have the version yet. But if you wanna be encouraged, just settle in right now and listen. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets. And then it hurries right around again to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Everybody say circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea never gets full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. Keep smiling, everyone. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Everyone say, under the sun. 
It's important to remember that phrase. Okay, that gives us some context. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. This guy is living life. I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. Everyone say, under heaven. Okay, under the sun, under heaven, it's context. I soon, now this is a goodie, I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun. Everyone say, under the sun. Can you hear the context, right? Uh, And really, it's all meaningless, like chasing wind. Everyone say, circles. Very good. What is wrong cannot be made right, and what is missing cannot be discovered. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out, now, and this is the context now for the rest of Ecclesiastes. I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind. Everyone say circles. Going round and round and round. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Wow. Man, feel sad for Solomon, right? Don't worry, he's okay. If you don't understand Ecclesiastes, like I was saying before, if you just read it at face value, you'll think, jeepers, this guy's a Christian, and this is how he feels about life? Man, hide the knives. Why does anyone want to be a Christian if this is what it's like? Amen? But if we understand the context, it's like Ecclesiastes is like a commentary on life under the sun or under heaven, under, not including, not in a relationship with Jesus is basically the context. If you read this book, this is exactly what life is like outside of a relationship with the living God. It's meaningless. And the older that we get, and if we reflect even on some of the stuff in our own lives, we get this more and more. What's it all for? Why do I work 60 years of my life for this? You know? Why am I cooking another meal? How can I get out of this scenario? It is just so hollow. That's the context. If you look at nature itself, you can see these rhythms and these routines in nature itself, right? The days followed by the nights, followed by the days, followed by weeks, followed by months, followed by years. Around they come again. Can you believe we're already in February? Hey? The tide goes out. 
the tide comes back. The tide goes out. The tide comes back. If you're a boat owner, right, Phil? It's important, hey? It's important what the tide is doing. You want to know what your boat's doing? Spring, summer, autumn, winter, spring, summer. Let's sing it together. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can you see it in nature right there? God has established it in nature. All these routines, we can grow to hate them or we can grow to understand the opportunity inside of all of them. Outside of God, they are meaningless. When we die, it's all for nothing outside of God. Circles of life. I want to encourage you today. If you've ever felt like this, I want to tell you that you are in common company, that what you're experiencing is not a reflection on your failure to really live. It is the human experience outside of a relationship with God. And sometimes even in a relationship with God, we can begin to feel like our lives are meaningless because we've taken our eye off of the big picture. And so today, I wanna try and, and if, you've, if you are possibly here today and you would not call yourself a Christian, you would say, I have never made a decision to cross a line of faith and say, God, I give myself to you. I accept what Jesus has done for me. If you've never done that today, this is an opportunity for you to see how there can be more in your life. And if you are a believer here today, if you've crossed that line of faith and yet you feel like your life is empty, I want to tell you there's more. But it doesn't happen by accident. Amen? So let me tell you something that you might think is cruel. Solomon said, I soon discovered that God has actually dealt a tragic existence to the human race. These rhythms, these routines are actually the design of God. And you can think that's cruel, but actually it's kind. Have you ever wondered why in your life you have this desire for more meaning? Where did that come from? Is that as a result of evolution? Please. Why do I want to feel like my life counts? Why do I want to leave a legacy when I'm gone? Why do I not want to feel like I'm wasting my life and that at the end of the day it's all worth nothing, for nothing? The reason that you feel like that is it's like the counterpart to the fact that God has created a tragic existence outside of Him. And on the other hand, He's given you a hunger inside of you for more so that you will meet Him in the middle. And that, my friend, is the greatest act of kindness. Amen. That God would not leave you to be happy in the meaningless of life, but to hunger for satisfaction that only He can bring you. Someone once described it as a God-shaped vacuum in our lives that only God can fill. 
There are countless people who have lived their lives on earth who have tried, like Solomon, to find value in money, in hard work, in eating and drinking and all these things and still feel it's just so meaningless. Where is the meaning in life? And you won't find it outside of a relationship. And I mean a relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about saying a prayer and following rules. Because that's what a lot of us fall into and that's why we feel like our lives find themselves in a meaningless state as Christians. We've started to go through the motions, doing the things that we know we're supposed to do and we've let go of the hand of God. We've become dull to the whisper of his voice. You know when God whispers? It's because he's close. Amen? And when we are far away, it feels like all the interference of life on earth gets in the way. There's nothing new under the sun. If you live your life outside of a relationship with God, you will find nothing new in life. All you will find is what everybody else has experienced. The same old routines, the same old death, for what? But I want to tell you today, in Christ, it's like black and white becomes technicolor. I've heard people describe their their act of salvation like that. It's like everything they looked at before suddenly had vibrancy to it. It's like they were seeing life through the eyes of God. And I want to tell you today, and I want, to, I want you to understand why if we are feeling humdrum about life and we get there and I get it and I understand, I've been like that regularly. This is not a criticism. It's simply to say, come on, let's just remember now how great life is in God. So if it's okay with you, I wanna take a few minutes to remind you why it's so great. Is that all right? Because I'm sure some of us have forgotten in this place today. Let me tell you, the first thing that you find that is new when you come into a relationship with God is that God gives you a new name. I remember when uh, I used to do uh, GCSE French. Our French teacher gave us all French names. So I wasn't James anymore. I was Jean-Jacques. Thank you very much. <clears throat> I want to tell you today that God has a name for you that no one else knows. It's his name for you. You know, when people speak to me, they call me James. But the people who are closest to me, they don't call me James. It's like when your mom says, James Norman Alexander Matheson, you know you're in trouble. But when she called me Jimbo, so different, amen? I want to tell you, God has a pet name for you, and it's the name that he loves to whisper to you. It's it's a sign of love and adoration and affection for you. You are not, he is not this sovereign, uncaring, distant God. He is close to you right now, closer than your breath. And he has a name for you that is sweet on his lips. When you become a Christian, you find a new community. 
a new family. I mean, this church represents it so beautifully for me. Look out amongst the sea of faces in our church and see how diverse we are. The Bible talks about the fact that he has broken down the dividing walls. In Christ, we are brothers and sisters. When you become a Christian, it's not you and your few anymore. It's you and the whole family of God. We are united into a new community and a new family. We are not alone. You know, the reason that we do life groups is so we can do life together. Amen? Where we can know each other like we can't know each other on a Sunday. If you're feeling isolated as a believer today or as someone who is not in a relationship with Jesus and feels like you have nothing, join a life group and begin to get to know the people in that group. Begin to understand what community is in Jesus. Share your life together and be encouraged. New community. The Bible says that when you become a Christian, you get a new heart. Gone is the heart of stone the calluses, God heals them and gives us a heart of flesh. Wow. God can change your very heart, your affections. He can meet you where you're at and restore your heart. The Bible says that you have a new mind. Do you struggle with all of those thoughts in your own headspace? Bible says that we have the mind of Christ himself. Wow. Sometimes it's easy to get lost in the noise of life in earth, on this earth, amen? But as we spend time relating with Jesus, his mind begins to wash over our mind. The Bible says you have a new spirit. You know, before you were in Christ, your spirit was corrupted. It was destined for an eternity apart from God in the fires of hell. But now, you have the very Spirit of God living in you as a Christian. Man, that's good. That's no hollow spirit, let me tell you. There's power. You know when we're talking about there's nothing that our God can't do. That is not His external power working across our lives. It's his Holy Spirit in our lives doing these things as we believe and as we speak his word in faith. Amen? The power that raised Jesus' body from death to life, that Holy Spirit resides in you. God counts you as a worthy temple. You're his home. He's moved in. He's put up the pictures, put up the curtains. He's chucked cushions on the sofas and he's put his feet up in your life. You are where God lives now, his spirit inside of you. You now have a new purpose as a believer. Bible says go and make disciples. However that works its way out in your life. We could have lots and lots of discussions about that, but essentially you have a purpose that goes beyond your nine to five, beyond your pension, beyond your holidays, beyond food on the table, the people that you work with, the people that you interact with. Jesus loves them like he loves you 
wants to save them like he saved you. And he chose you as plan A to make it happen. His power working through you to see other people's lives transformed. You've got a new purpose. You have a new home. You know the hope of salvation is that when we die, it's not like the final act. It's like the beginning of real life. Amen? You know, people who are getting towards the end of their lives are basically counting down if they don't have a relationship with Jesus. But in Christ, it's like enthusiasm builds in us because we're about to graduate. We're going to get out of the broken shell that we're living in and we're going to spend eternity face to face with our Jesus, beholding his beauty and not consumed. Amen? We've got a new home waiting for us, folks. Stop seeing life on earth as just the countdown to the end. It's going to be graduation day. And so we need to live like that. Amen? Start making decisions now with eternity in mind. Live your life today for God because when your time comes at graduation, you can't do it anymore. So max out while you can now. You've got a new eternity. The Bible says we have a new commandment. Love one another. Not with some earthly love, but with the love that Jesus loved us with. That eternal, sacrificial, giving love. Not all about what can I get from you, baby. How can I serve you? A new commandment I have given you that you love one another like I have loved you, Jesus said. Wow. Just changes everything. Gives us a whole new focus, amen? The Bible says you get a new nature. So like when you get saved, your spirit, your essence, the eternal part of you, is saved completely. It's like it then gets vacuum-packed. Nothing in this life can affect it whatsoever. You can sin today, but your spirit, your spirit remains completely whole in Jesus. But on a daily basis, our nature begins to grow more like Jesus. Amen? And the Bible talks about us putting on the new man putting on the new man, leaving the old behind. And God gives us power to do it. Amen? The Bible says at the end of time, there's going to be a new creation. That God is going to renew the earth and the heavens. Forget about climate change. Done, dusted, perfect. And we're going to live on that earth as his people with him. A new creation. All things will be new, the Bible says, if you want to sum it all up. You know what God's in the business of? New. If you want to be new, if you want to experience the newness of God, jump in with both feet. Amen? Because you can't find new in the world. You just find old, dusty, normal, hamster wheel, treadmill, mundane, empty, meaningless. Life without Christ 
is meaningless. I want to tell you today, I want you to hear me now, every day is a new opportunity. No matter how much the voices in your head are saying, no, it's just the same, there is new opportunity every single morning. When that sun rises up, thank God that you see it or that you at least know it's there behind the clouds. New opportunity, a new beginning, a new day, a new line in a new chapter of the story of your life. You change the story as you walk with Jesus day by day, bit by bit. We fail along the way, but we get up and we keep walking. The Bible says in Lamentations, God's mercies are new every morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. When you feel disillusioned and distracted, run to God in the morning and receive mercy and grace from him to see the day as he sees it. I want to tell you that our lives as Christians are not circular. Our lives are linear. We are building towards a graduation day. We are working our way forward to newness. Every day is an opportunity to write a beautiful story with God and to leave a legacy that's going to change the lives of the people around us and the people that follow after us. The routines and the rhythms are the kindness of God. They are the order of God in the midst of chaos. You know when you see the tide come in and out, see the sun come up and go down, you should be encouraged. That's order. That is God-established order within creation. A sign to us, even without hearing his voice, knowing that there is a creator, there is a sovereign one who is large and in charge, that this life is not chaos, but behind it all is an author who wants to write the next chapter of our story. The Bible says that in Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, we use words in English and they just lose their context sometimes. Like, I love Jesus, I love soup. Same word, but such a different meaning, amen? When you think about the fact that you are fearfully made, that word fear is in awe of the glorious greatness of God. Is your life fearfully full? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you feel the fullness of that awe of God? Wonderful. Is your life full of wonder? The Bible says you are fearfully made and you are wonderfully made. You are made for the fear of God. You are made for the wonder and the awe of God. And I want to challenge you, if you're not seeing it in your life today, say, God, I want more. I want more of you than I can handle, Lord. 
I want that holy discontent in my life. I don't want to slide into mediocrity and ambivalence, Lord. I want to live in fear and I want to live in wonder. Your signs and your wonders evident in and through my life. Not just a distant tale that Brother Wonderful tells us about every couple of years when we get him here. My experience of you, Jesus. Full of fear, full of wonder of your goodness and your kindness. You know, when you first get saved, I remember that day, the light comes on and everything just, it's like a lightness on your life. Every, every weight of shame and guilt falls off of you and you're just full of the wonder of, wow, how could God be so kind to me? And then we just become so used to it, amen? And that's sad. And so we need to keep reminding ourselves how wonderful Jesus is, amen? How kind he is to us. We need to live our lives with one eye on the big picture. We can get wrapped up in the everyday that we lose perspective. I wanna challenge you. Look at how you can fill your day with the purpose of God. Begin your day filling yourself with the wonder of God and then go in the power of God to see his purposes prevail in your life. You know, if you read Ecclesiastes, it is really depressing. Read it. I, I, I challenge you to read it and see it in the right context and understand how hollow life is without God and realize that the earth is full of people who have no hope and live your life like you truly want to make a difference, asking God to give you opportunity. Don't let that sense of the, it's just too great. You know, there's a story that's told of a strange tide where hundreds of thousands of starfish were being washed up onto the beach and crowds were gathered along the beach looking at the masses of starfish just lapping up upon starfish on the beach. And there was one guy down on the beach and he was picking up starfish. And he was throwing them back as far as he could into the ocean. And people were stood there. And they were like, check this guy out. He's wasting his time. Look how many, as he throws one starfish out, another thousand are getting washed onto the beach. And they were laughing. And eventually a guy went up to this chap and said, listen, bud, do you not understand? As fast as you throw the starfish back in, hundreds and thousands are getting washed back onto the beach. What difference are you even making here? And he said, it makes a difference to the ones that I throw back. And I want to challenge you today. You might not be able to change the whole world, but you can change one life. And it makes a difference to that person. Amen? There might be a sea of hurt out in the world, and you might feel like, I can't even begin to dent it. But every one soul that finds Jesus finds life. And you are building a reward for yourself in heaven. And when that judgment day comes, 
We won't be getting judged for eternity. Our judgment will be reward according to how we lived our lives as Jesus' people in the earth. And I want you to see the world like Jesus sees it. What caused him to come from heaven and take on our existence? Why would he want to come down to the hamster wheel? Not because there was something in this life that he wanted to experience, but because the earth is full of his children. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.